Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We are here to talk about A Man Alone. It's the fourth episode of the American sci-fi television series, Deep Space Nine. This is episode number one. Uh, sorry, episode number four, season one, directed by Paul Lynch. Story goes to Gerald Sanford and Michael Pillar. Teleplay goes to Michael Pillar. It aired back on January 17th, 1993. In this episode, an old enemy of Odo's is murdered behind locked doors, and all evidence points to Odo as the killer. We're joined by Modi. Modi, how are you? I am great. Ready to talk about A Man Alone, which is a pretty good title. Uh, This is the Odo murdering people this is the first odo episode i guess that we've got to focus on and if people are confused about why this came up we talked in the other episode past prologue um i guess it was a little bit of a airing production order snafu um and past prologue might be listed on netflix after this but man alone aired um realistically um, and man alone came out in television world after that so we're going to be talking about it right now um yeah are you ready to uh to get into the odo the wonder that is odo modi yeah, let's get into it. All right, so I'm going to play an audio clip. Me and Modi are going to come back. We're going to break down A Man Alone. His name is Ibudan. He used to run black market goods through here to the surface during the Cardassian occupation, gouging his fellow man who needed medical supplies and so forth. Some Bajorans actually considered him a hero, but I saw him let a child die when the parents couldn't afford the drug that would have saved her life. A few years back... He killed a Cardassian officer who wanted a payoff to look the other way. He went to prison for murder. I sent him there. For murder? What's he doing out? The provisional government let him go. Killing a Cardassian isn't considered much of a crime nowadays. Doesn't sound like there's much we can do about it. I can get him off my promenade. If he hasn't done anything wrong, you can't just arbitrarily force him to leave. Watch me. Mr. Odo. You're not going to take the law into your own hands. The law? Commander, laws change depending on who's making them. Cardassians one day, Federation the next. But justice is justice. And as long as I'm in charge of security... If you can't work within the rules, I'll find someone who can. All right, dude, so we talked about how past prologue was kind of a um, a Bajoran episode, right? It kind of fleshed out the history of Bajor for us and all the stakes that are going on and all the people and all the conflicting groups and ideologies that are fighting for uh, control of that planet and the people on it. Man Alone is more a character episode um, that kind mm-hmm. of fleshes out a lot of other characters. It's an Odo episode, but I feel like it spends a lot of time and has a lot of scenes where other people are sort of fleshed out and discovered would you agree or disagree i counted five different plot lines in this one. Oh, really yeah yeah so, so that was something you noticed and you uh, yeah yeah how come for sure like how come the did you think that was a like a help or a hindrance to the to the the episode as a whole um, it's definitely different compared especially compared to a past, past prologue i can't even say that one such a good title um past prologue it it, all of the all of the plots kind of tie together in that one, even though there are a couple different, you know, perspectives are showing. It is all tied together, and this one, none of them fit together. No, they don't um, at all. Like, and so it's almost. I, weird I started though that... noticing this as I was writing down plot lines, and it's like, wow, how many are there here? And I started counting them up, and it's like, okay, we got a lot going on here. 
it's um, almost weird that a murder mystery is the main one that they focus on because yeah. a lot of it is not really like we can go through them. There's the um, Nog and Jake getting into trouble, mm-hmm. which kind of ties into the Keiko as a teacher plot line. Yeah, because... th- th- those two fit together a bit. Yeah, the O'Brien and Keiko having problems plot line. Yes. <laughs> there's there's Bashir and Dax. There's Dax and Cisco. Yep. And then Cisco and, and then Bashir. Then there's Odo and, and his and his dead smuggler guy. Yeah. And and the it, it is a weird episode in that how how much is going on and I it, to me that's why I kind of feel like it's just a character episode like they're just sort of hashing out the character interactions with each other. Yeah. I mean it, I think it starts with the I think it starts with what's maybe the best characters stuff uh going on which is the odo and quark scene at the very start where they're kind of watching the o'brien's fight in the bar Um, oh yeah that is a uh, to me this episode was written by a married man it has all these like very (laughs) hilariously written uh lines about marriage and everything like that and yeah odo's odo's line about compromise is is fantastic that whole little section you did yeah just listing uh she wants to do this you want to do this so you compromise and you do what she said um and then they have the the scene of o'brien and keiko getting in a fight where o'brien is trying to just you know o'brien's got a job to do and his wife is unhappy and he's just trying to make her happy so he's trying to find her something to do um suggesting that she plants the you know trees and the promenade and everything she's not into that and it's i guess it's giving you more sense of the station is not supposed to be a place where people want to be right Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a lot of characters here who don't necessarily want to be um, on the station. Keiko's uh, concerned about Molly growing up there. Odo and Quark have their conversation that they don't. Uh, no one wants to be there in the first place. So it's setting up the the distinction of from the Enterprise where everyone wanted to be, and this is the complete opposite. And there, it's a theme that they're really hammering home in these early episodes. Um, yeah, it's basically a gas station crossed with a shopping mall. Yeah, basically with <laughs> on like a. Um, in like the bad part of town yeah too. Like it's not the, a great but it has a nice like freeway ramp there right <laughs> the, the wormhole right yeah it's got a, it, the freeway uh ramp goes right to the fast lane and you just got you get to where you need to go right after that or it's right outside the airport maybe it would be a good way to right. think about that's it a good, that's a good point yeah yep um so yeah i mean man alone did you what which of the uh character stories did you find effective which of them didn't did you not find effective um I didn't. I don't know about O'Brien and Keiko's plotline being a very interesting one. Um, Even tying the into fact her she, being a teacher, <laughs> you mean? Yeah, like she's just like her justification for being a teacher is like, oh, I always wanted to be a teacher, without like any qualifications besides just wanting to do it. Apparently, yeah. that's the bar you have to clear in uh, Deep Space Nine. Is just <laughs> you just wanted to want to do a thing, and that's pretty much the qualifications you need. It brings um, up it brings up questions about what the because they had schools on the Enterprise, but I, I guess they get yeah. around it by just saying that um, everyone on the Enterprise is in Starfleet, so they kind of have it's rules true. and they can make people go to school. Cisco here is clear that um, because not everybody is from the Federation, they don't they can't force them to go to school, basically. Yeah, and yeah, all different cultures he mentions being problematic, and they kind of demonstrate that with Nog a bit. Um, I, I do like the scene where she's trying to convince Nog that she'd be a good teacher for for J, for a uh, or for, 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 for what's his name? Uh, Rom. Uh, what is his name? Rom. Rom. Yeah. Yeah. D- yeah. Trying to convince him that he'd be a good teacher for Nog. Uh, was it an okay scene? Yeah. They but they, they kind of touch. That, well, did, did do you remember? Was the um Ferengi sexism 
like pure like pure sexism was that a thing in tng i can't really remember like i know I, that they objectify I women so i believe they did have like a why are you allowing females to talk at this meeting or something oh, like that that's right um, yeah kind yeah. of thing with 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 yeah okay so that was a thing yeah because they they come at keiko hard uh, about like she, her being a, a human female is the one thing that they did they just will not stand this to be uh allowed in their in their bar um I think that the, you know, it's kind of funny that for like as multicultural of a show um, as Star Trek is, they they kind of run into the problem of like, well, you can't force all these cultures to go to school with each other. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's kind of an odd thing. You think that they'd uh, they'd have something else going on around that, but I, it brings up a lot of other questions about how the other cultures educate uh, people, which is probably not as interesting a topic as the episode um, would have made it. But it's it's. I think that the Keiko and O'Brien thing, you know, it ties into the DS9 is a Western type thing. Like in season mm. season two of it's Deadwood. A, a town, yeah. Yeah, season two of Deadwood involves the school getting founded. This is episode two, or no, it's not episode two, but it's early in season one. Yeah. Um, and they're founding a town, or they're founding the space station, and they need to get their school started. So it ties into that regard about... Um, yeah, it's a good analogy, for sure. Yeah, it's just, it... it they're fleshing out the town. They're trying to figure out what they need to do. And I guess Keiko would being a teacher is a little bit more exciting than the botanist that she was previously. Uh, what'd you think of the, um, Dax and Cisco Bashir love triangle? I, I think that was one of the more interesting sci-fi plot lines to explore. Um, in this, just the idea Dax, Dax provides a lot of different subject matter. You can address about, gender and that kind of thing um that's probably the most more interesting plot line here i would think because you, uh, you would watch whole, the whole thing works with cisco and bashir and and dax and all that like what what that means that that dax went from male to female and all that stuff yeah and you would watch the uh the host on tng which was the first trill episode with uh yeah yeah i, I recall it a little bit yeah yes. they, and they were that was a they were terrible in that one they're obviously the trill are more fleshed out here i i right I'd probably hesitate to say that they explore anything in this episode. It's more just like they have sort of conversations about the nature of death. Yeah, they don't they don't get into it too much. They don't really resolve anything at the end of it either. And but it is it is nice to see it as a potential plot line. I feel that um Dax has been the underexplored character. Dax is a little bit weird to me because you know, the female characters are better. Uh, than they've been in TNG and TOS and stuff like that. But mm. the Kira is very good. I feel that Kira is not well acted at this point, but her characterization is strong. Dax is kind of, if you want to look at this as like a modern feminist critique, Dax is a little bit more problematic to me because all the Dax storylines and everything that sort of goes on with Dax deals with other people coming to terms with her. In a yeah, sense, like, that's a good point. She is not the driver of her storylines in a lot of ways. It's a lot. It's it's mostly it's it's men basically sort of looking at her. Um, they have a scene in a later episode where Dax is basically getting ogled. Uh, that wasn't this episode, right? Yeah, it's, it's some other one. I don't she, think so. She she gets ogled and she says that she likes it. So even in that sort of throwaway line, it's about men looking at her and the Dax character itself isn't particularly fleshed out at this point. It's more just an idea that this is a multiple basically a multiple person that exists in front of you 
Well, Dax is the most comfortable with the situation that, than anyone is. Like Dax is like, this is this is how it is. This is not weird to me at all. And she's fully aware and accepted of who she is. Whereas, so it's like it's like this is how it is, and deal with it from her perspective. Yeah, and that's why you see a lot of it. Everyone else kind of adjusting to who she is now. Do you? I guess I found that the uh, the conflict between Cisco and Bashir it felt almost like it was it was fluffed up to sort of serve the running time when there really is no conflict between them, right? Like Cisco is not interested. No, in there's Dask. no conflict at all there. Yeah, yeah. So like, wh- why? You know what I mean? It feels like it's a waste of story time almost to have this sort of just explanation without a story attached to it. Like you're basically just detailing what Dax is. Um, yeah. As you don't po- ever get a sense that there's anything romantic going to happen between Cisco and Dax, though. No, you don't. Whereas, no. And so there's no there's no rivalry there or anything like that. It's just kind of Cisco realizing that a phase of Dax is gone. Yeah. And it's not going back kind of thing. Um and so it's kind of just this is more more like a bittersweet kind of thing, whereas there's no rivalry there or anything like that. Any kind of um, conflict that could happen really in that regard. He's kind of just a mentoring Bashir in a way. Yeah, and Bashir to me, um, Bashir comes across as like he he sort of he almost won't accept the fact that Cisco feels this way. He's like, how can you see her and not feel this way? It's, it's just, it's like yeah, a weird conversation weird. line to get stuck on. Um, just, he <laughs> should just, not very good. Doesn't, doesn't have a good look in this one for sure. No, he's, he's, um, do you have any character? Like, do you have any sort of like a character ranking roughly at this point? Would you put any characters at the bottom? Um, I'd personally put Bashir and Dax sort of at the bottom in terms They're, of interesting. Characters. Yeah. I would say Bashir's not, Based on the last episode, which he was not very well characterized, and uh, Dax, we just don't quite, like you say, we don't quite know where she's at. O'Brien is not very good in this even. No. Um, Keiko no. also. Odo, yeah. Odo is probably the strongest one. Odo and Odo and Cisco are probably the strongest ones here. Yeah, I, I think in terms of the series, I think um, I think O'Brien is actually pretty well drawn um, by now. He's He's the odd one. Right, out. he's a lot to draw on because he's got past familiarity there, so he kind of gets a pass. Yeah, and his his character is more his character is more about his personality than any sort of defining feature, which the other characters mm. kind of have. Like O'Brien, O'Brien doesn't really have a sort of like high concept. He's a shapeshifter type storyline. He's he's <laughs> yeah. just he's just a dude who's on the space station, <laughs> um, and so he's his performance is mostly or his characterization is down mostly to the performance as opposed to anything else. And I think that um, Paul Meany does a good job there. Um, I guess that's, I mean, that's the, uh, the Dax and Cisco and Bashir thing is really, that's the extent of it. They kind of have a couple bar drink conversations about it. And that brings us to Odo and Odo's storyline, which is the guiding um, sort of track along this episode. So what'd you think of Odo and his story? I I love the character, I should say, first of all, but the storyline, I, I like it up until the very end, basically. Um, the the ending reveal of the, the clone and the masked identity <laughs> was a bit, uh, was a bridge too far, I think, for me. It's like, okay, I'm going to check out now. The, uh, the but reveal... up until that point, I liked, I liked Odo a lot and, and the plot a lot until that point. The reveal is so Scooby-Doo. 
Could that be yes. any more Scooby Doo? Just like he might it's as well exactly Scooby Doo. He might as well have just said you meddling kids. I would have gotten away with it. <laughs> they they he literally puts him in a headlock and tears his mask off. And I I I feel that the you know we talked in the the past prologue episode about how one of my concerns was that it was like a TNG sort of framework being placed over the Deep Space Nine characters. And I feel that this is very similar of a problem to that one where it's an episode that's trying to show you all the characters on the station, how they interact and like flesh them out a little bit. And they tack it onto this bad TNG-esque story about a murder Mm -hmm. going on. And the murder is, it's not even a good mystery, really. It's like, it's a mystery that is only a mystery because they don't give you the information because they're working on discovering the like they're working on figuring out what this thing they're growing is. And that's the only thing that's delaying them figuring out what's going on. They didn't actually do anything to solve it besides just find some DNA. They found some DNA in one spot randomly. Yeah. (laughs) But that's about it. There's no Odo doesn't do any detective work. There's nothing like plot or narrative that interesting that's going on. It's really just them sort of waiting around. And as they're waiting, all these characterization though for Odo, at least, you, think, what do you like but, about Odo, I guess? Well, I, I like that he reveals himself to be uh, a... He pu- he puts justice above the law kind of character um, in one regard with, with this conversation with Cisco. Yep. Um, he also is willing to completely implicate himself in the murder at one point where he says that this can only be accomplished by a shapeshifter, even though it wasn't. Um, he totally just gives them all the evidence that points to himself yep. uh, preemptively. And I think that's a a cool characterization for him he's, that again he puts he puts the truth and justice above himself even yeah he well he it's interesting you'd say truth i i think that he he definitely puts justice above it what's interesting to me is that he's 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 emotional but also reasonable at the same time yeah and he is he's definitely a man of of honor and belief over any sort of like pragmatic doctrine in a lot of ways. Like he, he has the line about the laws change, but justice is always justice. Mm-hmm. Um, he believes in his own sort of special brand of justice because we've obviously, we talked about uh, in past prologue, <laughs> he was threatening to lock people up for no particular reason. He's, he is a, he's going to go on to become a very interesting character. One of the better characters on the show and everything, but he's, he's definitely, built of the mold of this deep space nine thing where the letter of the law doesn't really matter. It's more the spirit in Odo's sense. Um, He's the Western sheriff, obviously uh, to continue that analogy, but exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that Odo, the implicating himself, I I wonder if that really fits into his character. You said you liked it. So why do you think you liked it? Just because it had a little bit of a nuance to the character. Yeah, I think I think that might be it. In in that, uh, you don't you don't like you said he doesn't he isn't he isn't actually necessarily beholden to to justice as a concept. Even he's only beholden to his concept of justice, basically his own, right. not yeah. as justice as an ideal, just justice as he sees it. And it's it's kind of it's kind of an interesting departure from other characters you've seen who are honor bound and logic bound. He's he's both those things, but also completely outside rule of law at the same time for like for instance the the reason that odo hates this ibudan guy right is that he saw a young he saw him deny uh, a sick girl's parents medicine that she needed and so she she died 
Um, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out if Worf would react differently to this story. I guess the Odo certainly seems to take things more personal than Worf would mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, his like the because when we're describing them like this, they sort of sound similar to each other. Where Worf is also an honor based character. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I guess, more the case that Worf is trying to fit into a doctrine than Odo is. Um, and Odo is completely internalized, um, which we haven't really been given a reason as to why he is this way so far. Um, it, other than the fact that it's his job, kind of, is yeah. like that's the reason he is that way. Um, but yeah, I think that he's his internal sort of motivation and his sort of uh, way of seeing things. He's he's like swarmily cynical about a lot of stuff too, in a way that yeah. not many Star Trek characters have. That's been. why I like him. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> you, the <laughs> cynicism. <laughs> he's very. Would you describe him as a cynic, or do you think there's something else going on there? Oh, I mean, based based on his conversation with with Quark about about compromise, definitely a cynic for sure. Yeah. yeah. And is he from that scene? Do you th- is he watching the O'Briens with a little bit of jealousy, or is he completely disgusted by them? It's hard to say. I don't know if it's if it because I mean the the way he talks in it, it's such detail um, regarding the the relationship that he claims he's never had. He's either he's either completely fabricating this in his mind, which doesn't seem likely to have that level of detail with it, or he's someone that's been hurt and yep. he just is, is putting up this wall of, of cynicism. Yeah. Um, which I, either way I like. So <laughs> what's good about it is that um, in the grand like galaxy scheme of music, American jazz has survived along with uh, Klingon <laughs> opera. That's always yeah, that's exactly. A good thing They're on par with each other as far as cultural relevancy. Yeah, it's a good um, um it's a yeah. good <laughs> intro into those two's character. Like that, that's a pairing that's going to go on forever. The mm-hmm. Odo and Quark thing. Uh, they work well together. They're both good actors, and they have a they're an interesting. Like I think that that conversation between them sums up their sort of relationship really well, where they. They're antagonistic to each other, but they also know the weaknesses of each other. Um, Quark sort of get, digs into the weakness of, like, you've never coupled with anyone, and Odo sort of uh-huh. gets embarrassed by it and stuff Plays like that. Plays on his pride, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's the, and but Odo always has the upper hand because he's the person who's watching Quark's activities, basically. He's the eye in the right. sky for him. It's a good chemistry. It is, yeah. I think that, I mean, are, are you picking up any sort of a different... How would you describe the difference between the character interactions on this show versus the character interactions on the previous TOS and TNG series? Because I think you they're very distinct. You don't get that that uh, that frenemy kind of gentle gentle rivalry, gentle uh, uh, suspicion between people that you would get. On. You can't you can't get that on TNG at all. You can't get that on. You can't, you can't even get the original series for, for the most part between crew members, anyways. No, no. Um, so yeah, because there are so many people that are kind of outside the Federation and outside of humanity, you get to kind of have a lot of more varying archetypes. I think. Yeah, it's it's. I I really appreciate. Um, I haven't watched this show in a long time, all the way through. I've never watched it all the way through, and I probably I haven't seen all the episodes. But I, I'm coming off of the sort of being inundated by the previous series. It's really distinct how the characters here talk to each other. Um, you know, the the worst kind of like ribbing you'd have in TNG would be Riker sort of gently making fun of Worf or something like mm-hmm. there's There's no the there's no realness to the hostility, which I think that there is in this series like they Quirk and Odo sort of like each other on some level. But there is a sort of trying to genuinely one up 
each other at the same time. Yeah. Well, I mean, Riker and Worf doesn't go both ways, I feel like. like That's Riker, true. Worf yeah. would never rib Riker about anything. It's just the one direction. Whereas with... With Odo and Quark, you constantly have a, a rivalry back and forth. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a good point, and it, it ties into the, you know, the Kira and Cisco relationship that we talked about in past prologue, where they're a little bit antagonistic towards each other. Yeah, um, same kind of thing. Dax is kind of Dax isn't leading on Bashir, but it's not a relationship that's. It's certainly not written in tea leaves that it's going to flourish at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right, and the. You know, the the kids get along, but the kids are actually getting into, you know, minor trouble. They don't actually hurt each other or anything like that. But they, they aren't um, Wesley Crusher type hijinks of getting in trouble. Like they're actually pranking people. Um, and so I think that that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of a, a nice sort of uh, touch to have on it. Um, you didn't really get a, oh, you did get a Jake and Cisco interaction in this episode um, where Keiko comes and asks Cisco if Jake should come to school. Um, any mm-hmm. thoughts on the yeah. father son relationship that we have here? We've had a couple scenes of it so far. I'm just, I'm gauging everyone's early opinions of it. I have not seen enough of it yet. It is, it is kind of interesting that he's just kind of latchkey kid found this ship by himself with nothing to do. Yeah. Um, while his dad is this big, important guy. It is, it is kind <laughs> of interesting, but I uh, like, yeah, not enough of it seen yet. I think I like their scene together. Um, basically I like the fact that it like, Jake says like, oh, I thought you didn't want to talk about it. Um, and Cisco sort of chases him out of the room. I like the fact that they don't, they cut it there and they don't continue the conversation. Um, yeah. I, I think that it's a, it's a scene that's done better because there's not much to it. It, it leaves a little bit to the imagination. It doesn't spell out everything for you, but we're, we're definitely get the, getting the opinion that Cisco is the, um, the caring father that is completely a new revelation for any of the commanding officers of any of these series mm-hmm. right um we've had kirk who probably has children but doesn't know about them and then we've got picard <laughs> doesn't who care to either doesn't care to and then we've got picard who is the eternal bachelor as we mentioned um uh-huh. cisco is obviously very very different so i mean do you think that do you think that the show has a place for this kind of story oh man i don't know i think past Past has shown us that they don't handle kids really well in Star Trek. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't know if uh, you probably you didn't. I don't think you listened to the emissary episode, but Clay was surprised that Jake stays throughout the entire series. Did you know that, or does that surprise you? Oh, uh, that that does kind of surprise me. Yeah. So yeah, but if you like, you like. I mean, this goes on for what, like six seasons still? Seven. How many? Se- seven. Okay, so he's gonna get pretty old by the end of this thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <it'll> be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's a. I feel that the um. He's already like fifteen, isn't he? Like, how old is this kid? I think he's young. I would I would have guessed he's Maybe around younger? twelve. I think in this, okay. he's supposed to be twelve or something he's like tall, that. He's tall though. He's yeah. tall. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, he's tall uh, Nog, I guess. Yes, he's that tough, I suppose. <laughs> Nog is actually a uh, giant of a Ferengi, but yeah, <laughs> I think that the um. I don't know. One of the things that's changed, kind of, and I, I didn't really talk about this in the emissary pilot, is that. Um, I have a, since now that we're watching this and now that I am a parent, it's a little bit of a different reaction that I have to their storylines. And it's a little bit of a different, um, take that I have on seeing any of their storylines. Like I, the, the impact of the pilot where, you know, his wife dies and he's left with a kid. Um, mm-hmm. it kind of hits you a little bit 
like the the impact of what that would actually be for a character hits me more at this point not that you know that you can't experience anything if you're not a parent or anything like that but it's a different it's kind fine. of I mean, it's just us here don't worry about it you can say that it's cool <laughs> it's, it's a it's a different kind of impact that hits you in a different way other than intellectually i guess which is what makes it effective and here the storylines that he's going to have going forward with jake and everything are just more of a before i would have felt they were a little bit more of a waste of time and i think now that i have a greater appreciation for where the storyline is supposed to fit in um and if they do it well which we'll get to i guess as we go along mm-hmm. uh let's see anything else you wanted to talk about for a man alone I guess we should talk about the murder a little bit, right? I guess. I guess it's the plot here. Yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about it. <laughs> I, th- I think the the murder plot's the worst part of this episode. It's not great. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It seems like the murder the murderer went to extreme lengths of <laughs> growing clones, multiple clones, even yep. with this plan in mind. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, growing multiple clones, sort of existing in the background of everything that's going on i mean like the show makes no bones about it It shows you that mask guy that he he's pretending to be multiple times throughout the episode Mm -hmm. so you know something's gone on yeah you know something's up with this guy right and my takeaway really was from um the murder plot was i wrote down the the like bajoran mob that group of like five guys that are in the bar and they are at the the outside of odo's office at the end they're surprisingly good actors for the role that they were given did that strike you as is uh, anything that stuck uh, came across? Yeah, that was that was kind of kind of interesting. The uh, the mob uh, that that attacked uh, Odo. They're they're like they're they have these lines that I expect from Star Trek to be poorly delivered, but they're delivering them well. Um, mm-hmm. It was just kind of a, it was weird to have someone a good actor step into that role because the. The role is so small and pointless. It's the kind of thing you pay somebody ten bucks a, a yeah, day. Yeah, you just got to gotta be angry at at this particular race of person. Just yeah. go go against that guy. It's not not tough to act. Apparently, my uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll wrap up the murder thing with just saying that it's like it's completely pointless, arbitrary. Um, Odo learning that the guy is on the ship is supposed to, is played off like it's some supposed to be some great reveal when really. There's no reason for Odo to believe that the guy's on the ship at the very end. Um, yeah. It, it's just so... It, it's a plot that exists just to give a spine to the story. And it doesn't go anywhere. And it doesn't develop anything. And it doesn't... like it, We don't learn anything about Bashir doing this testing. We don't really learn anything about Odo. Um, we don't, yeah, we don't learn that much about Odo even, I was going to say. Yeah. No. I mean, he... They kind of flip it around. Like, he, he doesn't learn a lesson about saying justice no. is justice. Right? Yeah, his initial thoughts that justice is justice still remains at the end, and all he's been proven is that he's more right than ever before, basically. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I, I I don't have much else to say about that murder plot. It's really not very, very good. Um, would you agree with my sort of statement that it feels like a bad TNG plot, or do you think I'm I'm off or I'm too? Um, I I would agree in? that this is it's a it's a bad. It's a bad murder mystery plot at the very least. It it might have been a recycled TNG plot, I suppose. Yeah. Even. Yeah, no, not even that they recycled, more just that it's a... Um, it's the kind of characterizationless story that would fit more of a show like TNG in a lot of ways. Like, you'd... 
I don't know. It doesn't feel like the, it feels like it's more of a piece of that show because you can just kind of plug the characters into the roles like they do here eventually. But this episode has the problem of it's trying to flesh out these characters and they have this characterless story driving the entire thing. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's a, it's a little bit weird. Um, my only other point is when Keiko gets the school going, she lives in a post scarcity society. So why is she surprised when Cisco gives her computers? Yeah, she's oh computers. No, we can make those things. I guess in the well, is the, did they have a problem with uh, food on this? I don't think so. I think I think that well, or did they fix that in the, the first episode? Uh, there was still, a problem initially. I'm fairly certain. Yeah, they are fixing the replicators in an upcoming episode. So maybe the yeah the replicators are just offline at this point. It was also, I mean the there was a thread on Reddit about uh, the writers' room um, hated the replicators. Was the storyline? I can understand why because how is Bajor still in trouble if you could just give them replicators well there might be i mean i guess you can write that into some religious uh reasoning behind the reason they aren't accepting replicators and like that maybe that would that would make Uh, sense yeah i yeah i mean the the fact that they have computers even if you didn't have replicators it seems like half the ship is this this doesn't seem like the station's full there's gonna be there feels like there's like half the station's not being used by anything that's true um that's the the way it feels when you when you get i mean you see you see like four or five locations in the entirety of the series yep. on this massive, gigantic space station. So it feels like most of it's not getting used at all. Yeah, that's There's true. There's got to be some empty computers that are sitting around someplace. It's a, a lot of grain storage and stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, yeah well, um, I think we've talked about this episode. I'm going to take a break, play an audio clip. Me and Modi are going to come back, and we're going to give our final thoughts and ratings for you. What the hell do you people intend to accomplish here? We want the shapeshifter. What do you think you're going to do to him if you get to him? He's right. How do you get a rope around the neck of a shapeshifter? <laughs> Listen to me. You will disperse immediately. Return to your quarters. Return to your ships. All right. So before we get to final thoughts and ratings for uh, this episode, I'll give some patron feedback. Uh, people who are patrons of the show on patreon.com can leave comments about upcoming episodes and we'll get them read out loud on the show. So I'm going to read from Tarek. He sent me a tweet. says, a man alone. Keiko is sad. Start school, which will undoubtedly indoctrinate DS9 kids with Federation's own brand of space communism. I think that's... <laughs> that's okay. Oh. That is uh, that is definitely what will happen. Tarek had brought up a um, a thing, too, about the economy of DS9 and how it actually works. How do you have a bar that accepts money but also has a large clientele of Starfleet officers who don't get paid anything? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Again, also, post-replicators, post why is there money? And why is there I mean, a bar? Like, right? Like, yeah. Why, why would you, yeah, in, in a universe where a replicator exists, why would you pay for anything i mean they had a bartender on on enterprise but still it was they didn't get a sense anyone was laying down money for anything though right exactly i just like yeah why would you if you if you have a society where replicators are a thing i I hardly understand why you would go get some latinum and give it to somebody to have them replicate you (laughs) something (laughs) which doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense you could just go to it on your own Kyle's, Mostly just busting tables, I feel like, at, inside of a bar. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's all you really got to do. Throw them into the uh, replicator again. Yeah. Kyle says, for all the finding its feet that DS9 does in season one, I think the relationship between Odo and Quark works straight away. Their interactions 
whether about coupling or crime, are fun and offer development for them both. A solid episode with a cool twist. Despite some weird scenes, the opening with Dax and Bashir, we didn't even talk about that because it is such a weird scene, and clunky dialogue. <laughs> I've missed your steamed Asna, which is bizarre. Also fun to it's see a rare too. fleeting Star Wars reference when the Alderaan spaceport is seen on Ibudan's computer. I didn't actually notice that. but uh, that's Yeah, I read it in the wiki for this, but yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, I, the, I mean, the opening scene is dumb just because it's a pointless cold open. Um, the steamed yeah. Asna is weird because the acting... It's hilarious to him. <laughs> it is. Cisco finds it very funny that he can't have any steamed Asna, and I, I don't know what Asna is. I imagine it's and an alien food. And why steamed is worse than baked or fried. <laughs> I don't understand that either. It's an in-joke for sure. I, we're just not privy to it. I guess it's like a space potato, right? Would you rather have a... Uh, <laughs> I guess steamed potatoes versus steam... baked. Yeah, okay. I can well, see that. What's the best kind of potato? Fried. Oh, really? Like French <laughs> fried? Know. Yeah, French fries. Okay. I would go with a uh, mashed potato, I think, is the best form. Mashed potato is also very good. Baked, yeah. I mean, you, can, you can't go wrong. It's probably steamed. Steamed probably isn't good. Well, do you do you eat the skin of a baked potato? Uh, if, if the mood strikes me. If it's a really good baked potato, sure. Okay, sure. You need a little cheese on there, a little sour cream, or yeah. are you just going to go you gotta at it? something to soak it up with. But yeah, you can you can choke that down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're closer out there to Idaho, I guess, where all the potatoes yeah, come we got, from. Yeah, we grow our own potatoes here. It's, it's yeah, we have so maybe, we have plenty. Maybe it's fresh. I don't have potatoes, so everything that comes to me, I just gotta I gotta mash that thing up, so I don't know what it is anymore. I had Makes a uh, I had a college roommate who would love mashed potatoes, but he insisted on making it in the rice maker because, uh, or the yeah the 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 rice sort of thing because it made them mm. without uh chunks in it so it was like pudding mashed potato oh i need i need a little bit of chunk need a little I think. texture yeah, yeah. You need some texture <laughs> otherwise it's like baby food which uh is what cisco is feeding to jake anyway that's it <laughs> thank you patrons for uh the feedback this is a work in progress this feedback system because i don't know if you guys watch mr show but there's like a sketch called the pre-taped call-in show um which the whole thing <laughs> is that there people are watching something live and calling in about it but the call-ins were recorded previously so everyone's very confused about what's going on um i'll try to do this i know that some people aren't watching ahead you probably maybe watch the episode if you are watching the episode or if you're not uh when we do it but if you have any strong memories about upcoming episodes you can feel free on patreon to leave um a comment on the post that i put up there uh thoughts and ratings modi how about you go first give us your rating for uh, a man alone I, as much as I like Odo as a character, I'm going to give this one a two because it's not a very good plotline for him and he deserves better. And uh, the rest of the plotlines don't really do a whole lot. So overall, just not, there's some, there's some interesting character stuff going on, but aside from that, the episode is not great. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a two as well. I'd have a hard time deciding whether or not this is better or worse than past prologue. Did you like one of them better than the other one? Um... No, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Honestly, I, I, they, they're both wrong for different reasons, and neither one feels like they're really nailing it yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one feels more, more like a like a Cheers almost. I don't know exactly because there's all these different plot lines going on, um, and there's the one main one you care about that's like the the A, and it's also not very doesn't it's not very dynamic. Yeah, I and think... the, the the twist the twist ending that the one commenter pointed out I don't think was very good, honestly. But <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, yes, the I, I I feel I agree that the uh, the twist ending is not particularly good. I think that it's the um I think I like this one just for more for the chaos aspect of it. Like it's more watchable than past prologue for for that reason. It's just kind of like oh, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. There's a lot of plot stuff. lines to 
keep you interested. Yeah, it does move yeah. along nicely, and it, you never again once the same same pacing issue as the last one. It, it's never a problem. You never have to check your watch or check where you're at in the episode to see what was left or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, guys, thank you very much for supporting the show. If you click on the social media links in the video description or in the podcast blurb, you guys know what to do. You can go to Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Um, only thing I'd want to plug is supporting us on Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month to get extra content. Helps support the show. You get a whole bunch of other perks, too. So you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Um, and as always, the captain-level tier of support Gets a shout out on all the episodes. These are the people who make the show possible by being uh, producers, basically. Tax Owlbear, Kyle B, Joint Mango, Michael S, Doug V, Tarek L, Stephen K, and Ben D. Guys, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, it's great to support the show and all that jazz. Hopefully you're enjoying the Patreon podcasts and everything like that. Modi will have to come on for one of them recently. We'll have to get some topics going. Uh, Modi, good. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. And Anytime. Yeah, you'll be back with some episode in later on in season one at some point. Season one is not great, so I'm trying to distribute the episodes a little bit to get everyone's uh, <laughs> feet wet, and we'll take it from there. But did did you have any that stuck out in your memory of season one? Uh, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll be back with the next episode which is Babel and we'll have uh, the guest Trexpertise which is the YouTube channel that people might know if they're into Trek but uh, yeah Kyle from Trexpertise comes on to discuss Babel with us so we'll see you then